What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. I am one of your hosts, Ray. You can find me online at Rayvon Hackshaw at uh, Buckinson's 88 is my co-host, Peter. What's going on? What's up, Ray? Excited Has to Has winter talk- hit you yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's finally getting cold. Still some, what still is- some leaves on the trees, but... What is New Orleans winter like? Like, it's like do you 50. even do? You, I'm so. <laughs> yeah, it, it got like 47 yesterday. I think you deserve it because you have to endure the entire rest of the year. But I'm also like, right. Um, but we we're joined by hurricane season. That's the important part. Yes, yes, we're joined by a new Denverite, uh, Rashad, the drop step on YouTube and the drop step underscore on Twitter. On Unfortunately, or you know, maybe he can kind of make it his own. But uh, Rashad, what's going on? Not much. I'm just enjoying my cold Sunday morning here in Denver. Just yes. waiting for the game to come on tonight. How uh, so? Coming from the East Coast, how would you compare that that flip? Because it's we've gotten some snow. You know, you've experienced the sort of fluffy white here all day, gone tomorrow, in theory, um, sort of way snow happens here how you feeling about it i luckily for me i came from maryland so weather changed pretty drastically all the time there but i did come over and i kind of underestimated the altitude thing Uh, um so i was sick for about three days when i first got here and i was i was talking big talk i was like man hasn't gotten to me yet i'm feeling great and i got humbled really really quick Ah, you're talking about uh, just COVID in general? Just no, 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 just like the altitude change. Ah, yeah. Yeah. It they haven't done a lot of like running yet. I I was told not to when I first got here just to kind of ease into it, but oh. I didn't listen. I didn't listen either. I played basketball like the first day. <laughs> yeah. I died like 30 seconds in, but I was like, oh my God, I'm here. You know, I'm excited. It's uh, hard to not do something when you get to your new city, especially a city you've been wanting to move to for years now. Right, right, right. So, cool. Well, happy to have you. I uh, hope you enjoy, I don't know, I don't know if you've skied before. I have not. I'm hoping I have to not. this winter, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to not break any bones in the process. So, um, to talk about basketball, though, so we're all Nuggets fans here. Um the Nuggets have had a week. There's a lot of, uh, speaking of illnesses, uh, Yokes had the Rona. Um, Aaron Gordon seems to have, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. So there are a few things going around. There's COVID, there's the flu, and then there's a respiratory thing, um, RSV, something along those lines that seems to be what he might have as far as Aaron Gordon goes. So that's kind of why he's not, he's out, he's ill, but he's not in protocols. It's been a, not having them uh, the last couple of games, you know, that was a little, little awkward, but um, so I don't know if you guys have a lot of takeaways from those games. Uh, And and as a result, we're going to kind of change the format of the show a little bit. We're going to put that at the end. We're going to talk about those games a little bit later. Um, Rashad, just tell us a little bit about kind of your background as far as like, you know, you've moved across the country. Uh, You're making content. You're um, editing film for the Nuggets. I mean, Mm -hmm. how did you, uh, how did you get here? What was sort of the impetus for that? And uh, I don't know. Tell us about your basketball history. So, what am I? I'm 24 now. I've been around basketball since I was about 
five years old. Um, my parents, and this is, I try to tell people this all the time. This isn't me saying this, but my parents told me I started watching the NBA at five, just on my own volition and started teaching myself basketball. And from that point on, I kind of just have been in the world of basketball. So I've done writing. I've been a columnist. I've been on camera as a, a play-by-play guy. I've done camera stuff for basketball games. Basically anything I could get my hands on, I pretty much took the opportunity to do. And this is going straight through like middle school all the way through high school. I started really, really early with this sort of stuff. So nice. Um, as far as like getting to this specific point with the job and everything, I I kind of became a Nuggets fan around 2017, 2018. And okay. from that point on, I was like, got to get to Denver, got to go, got to go work for the Nuggets. And then, you know, five years later, here I am. Nice. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's cool to, to kind of, I don't want to say, I think the phrase started from the bottom is like over exposed a little bit but you know it's a nice sort of uh story i think gotta start somewhere exactly yeah Yeah. uh why the nuggets Jokic, i think is the simplest answer that i can give but okay i think they were just they were a fun team to watch at the time and i was kind of going through a renaissance of like i had just left being a thunder fan because you know their organization was taking a different turn, and I just wasn't interested anymore. Saying it, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then I was like, "Oh, the Nuggets look, Nuggets look young and exciting. They got a center that whose play style that I really enjoy watching." Yeah, he's kind of unusual. I think in a way, kind of. It's not the same as Kevin Durant, but I think when Kevin Durant came in the league, it was like, "Oh wow, he's seven feet tall. He's playing shooting guard. He mm -hmm. doesn't like being called (laughs) seven feet tall." But uh, we haven't really seen this a lot. So, yeah, no, I, I get um, how that could be a draw. Uh, Rashad, quick question about that that Thunder team. There were a lot of years there where they were really good. Did you ever feel like any of those years they had enough and the ball just didn't bounce their way, or did you kind of feel like they were always a piece short? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I felt like it was unfortunate and fortunate at the same time that they went to the finals when their core was 23 and 22 years old. Because, right. like, after that, like you've set a really high bar for yourself. And after that, just they just weren't able to get back to that point. I, I always thought they were good enough to get there. But then the unfortunate, you know, mistakes of like Russ and Katie going X for X in, in certain, you know, clutch playoff series against the Mavs and the Spurs and stuff like that. So yeah. They just well, ran up against better teams, I think. Yeah, they I mean they traded hard and right after they went to the finals. So I don't also think that. they really they don't they as good as Russ and KD were, not having that third guy kind of changes your team. So I think they kind of limited their ceiling and their margin for error a little bit once they traded them. I hear. And even then, like, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and then you, like, fast forward to 2016 where they're up 3-1 and they're looking like a team. I, I've been saying that year, if the Thunder had gotten past the Warriors, that was their chip. Like, that was absolutely prime KD. That was prime Westbrook. And all the role players were being phenomenal. But, after, I mean, it just didn't work out. I totally thought they were going to win that game six. And then that was the Clay game. Clay just lost his mind. It's always Clay. I'm not going to lie. I'm a Russell Westbrook hater. Oh. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I don't hate the guy on a personal level or anything. I think he's, he's awesome and his story is awesome. Uh, but as far as, like, 
why don't you why 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 do you win i think it's always been russ that that's my take Russ, and i want to be you know empathetic because like when you're an nba player you're not trying to put yourself in a box as far as what you can be but i had always wished you know if he just taken I understand that Kevin wasn't always the most domineering personality where he's going to demand that like, hey, I'm going to dictate everything and I want you to play a more secondary role. But it would have been nice, I think, at the time, if, you know, you, you don't take this shot in the last, you know, 30 seconds. But hey, you know, it's, it's that's the balls like, in your hands all the time. You just just go for it. And I feel like, yeah, been that you have to career. go for it sometimes to, to for great things to happen it's just unfortunate that the things haven't gone that well for us when he when he goes for it so to uh to get back so i came over uh with you it's like ty lawson like that era like late mellow um they're from mellow they're they're from maryland also and mm-hmm. i I didn't want to be Wizards fan. It doesn't seem like fun. I was talk not, about it. Yeah, I'm not from DC. That's also the other part of it is that like a lot of people, you know, Southern Montgomery County from PG are like, oh yeah, I'm from DC. You're not from you're not from DC. You're from like Silver Spring or something. <laughs> I'm very much like, oh yeah, I'm from Maryland. I'm from I'm from Frederick. If, if you know, what oh, okay. it is. not to not to dox myself, but I, yeah, I don't <laughs> no, know everyone knows. Yeah. Um, Hey, Ray, can I ask you about uh, just sure. as an outsider from yeah, DC? Yeah. Is it surprising at all to you guys like that the Wizards have kind of been this mediocre, I'll say, for this long? Because isn't, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't DC no. like it's actually a basketball city, right? It's actually like if you look uh, at the, all the 30 NBA cities, DC is like. It's a transplant like, city. But basketball culture is big in DC like it is in New York and it is in Philly. Yes. It yes, is on true. like a personal level. Like, lots of hoopers per capita. Like, yeah. you play basketball. <laughs> it's the DMV. But at the same time, A, the now commanders, I think, are still going to be number one billing. Um, the hockey team there won a championship. That's yep. nice. Good for them. And National most of the sports too. teams are... Sorry? The Nationals for baseball. Yes, yes, the Nats as well. The Caps and the Nets. So, you know... Um, they're just not a not competent organizations and that's you know you can change your players you can change your coaches you can change your ball boys and training staffs and new facilities and all that stuff but if your ownership isn't competent it it really like it deflates not only your basketball outcomes but i think the way people view the franchise as far as like i have friends who are just down bad like they don't even watch basketball anymore <laughs> like that but they love basketball they don't watch the nba particularly because they're like the Wizards, they're not, they're never going to, it's that, that sort of doomer. It's like nug life, but, 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 but East Coast. more down bad, <laughs> like more uh, briny and salty and disappointed. Less, uh, less optimism for the future. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't want to yeah. pile on too bad, but did you no, get my no, text? I'm cool with it. Did you get my text the other day? I was flipping through league pass and they were honoring, uh, Karan Butler, Antoine Jameson and Gilbert Arenas at halftime. They're big three. I, I was like, that. this yeah. is cool that you're honoring them, but also kind of sad. That's like the piece. That's, yeah, I mean, that's that's the bottom line, basically. Um, and and the other thing I would say is I think Denver's also experiencing this to some extent is that DC is kind of a transplant city, okay, where yeah. 
most of the people who are in DC aren't necessarily from DC. There are a lot of people, you know, coming from New York, coming from the South, coming from the West Coast, coming from other places. So the driving is terrible uh, because none of them know what to do and they've never seen a roundabout before in their lives. But also <laughs> I think the sports, um, they bring their own sports teams with them. You know, Philly is right up the road. Baltimore is right there. New York is right there. Um, the New England sports area. There are a lot of them for some reason. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, that's all. That's a great point, right? So that actually brings me to an interesting transition. Then I know you said you were disappointed when you moved out to Denver, like how little interest there was in the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, Rashad, what is your experience so far in terms of like just meeting and interacting with Nuggets fans? My response is going to be a little bit skewed only because I actually like work for the organization. You're running across a lot of people who are like, yeah, yeah, the Nuggets, my guys. Nuggets, Nuggets, Denver sports, this and that. Like that's all I run into now. And I haven't like, Mm -hmm. I haven't explored the city enough to meet the the non-Denver folks yet. Okay. I guess what's disappointing to us is like you go to any other city, you get to the airport, there's, Teams, there's stuff from the local team in the gift shop. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find Nugget stuff around Denver. That's what's like bothersome really? to us. Is they're just not pushed very much by in the same way. Yeah. yeah. Have you uh, have you been to a game? I'm assuming you've been not to- yet. Okay. Surprisingly, that's okay. Uh, I just, I've been looking and like that's no okay. one interesting has come yet. <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, especially this week, I think it's. Uh, you know, we talked about it, but so I'm, I'll be, you know, you're welcome to come back and kind of give your feedback. My general thoughts have been, um, I feel like Denver people are very nice. They're very friendly. They're very oh, yeah. amenable. I think they've done a better job this year about this, actually, uh, to your point, Peter. But I think in the past, in past years, especially, I've gone to games or like, and it's just not as uh, intense as I'm like expecting or familiar with. Um, you know, if you go to like, I don't know, I think East coast people are very like salty, not, not salty as in angry sometimes, but I think even just in, you know, the roads get salted, the sea is right there, (laughs) you know, everything is just, it's just a brinier, like angrier people (laughs) who are are just ready to boo. And there are people on this. So if you look at a population map, two-thirds of the population of our country is on the east coast mm-hmm. the cities are like closer together though and the oldest cities like boston new york philly washington they're they're built more narrow so there's literally less space for everybody and i think that's what makes east coast <laughs> people like more fast talkers more efficient but also a little more edgy right everybody on the west coast yeah. is a little more laid back you know let's smoke yeah, we got lots like, of space they, yeah they just got space everywhere yeah <laughs> Right. Like, free like, did land you notice that moving out here, Rashad? Like, how wide open the streets yes. are and everything? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was a breath of fresh air not having to, like, switch from four lane roads to one and then people in the East Coast complaining about traffic. And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really haven't felt, you know, there is traffic. I'm not going to lie. It's, there is. But yeah. it's not what it could be yet. Uh, I've seen the worst. <laughs> yeah. The Beltway's not even full yet. Anyway. <laughs> So to, uh, to, to kind of get back to the nuggets a little bit. Um, so 
we'll start with Jokic. I mean, kind of coming into, uh, was there like a moment for you where you're like, this is the guy? Yes. So the, I cannot remember who they were playing. I feel like it was the Kings, but the, the wraparound pass that Jokic did to Kenneth Fareed on the yes, fast break. I remember it's like he kind of whips it yeah. almost his arm is almost horizontal. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was it was that I think it was that play specifically that really like sealed the deal for me because I had been watching before that. But I was just like, OK, this guy is something else. Yeah, I feel like that was the most fun I feel like I've had. Because, like, since then, Nicole has gotten a lot more, I don't want to say conservative, but I don't think he breaks out the sort of trick plays as often. Hmm. And I think maybe even it's that people, other defenders, other teams are looking for that a little bit more, where it kind of limits his opportunities to be, to, like, mega guy or make a a crazy sort of, like, oh, you weren't paying attention to this look that I'm, you know, I I got dialed up. That's already calculated in my head, so... Yeah, earlier uh, in your career, I think it's easier to go into your bag once you get like in your prime. People kind of have the scouting report on you. Yeah, mm-hmm. they know. Yeah. So, but I feel like this year, you know, there's been some fun. He's throwing some yeah. stuff. He's chilling. That's, that's he is really chilling. The, the main thing, just coasting this season so far, which is like, hey, if we're top of the conference and he's relaxed and cool for the playoffs, then keep going. My well, favorite. let's be honest, he needed it, right? I mean, last two years, yeah. were, he was doing a lot of Brutal. heavy lifting. Yeah, uh, No techs. No techs this year. And, and as much as, like, that should be a low bar, but I, I think uh, I think it's indicative of how... I mean, you could, some people could say he's not as engaged. I think that's possible and understandable, but at the same time, not engaged fully i think he's still a dominant player and he's doing all the things that he wants to do and he's not debating refs too much this year Mm -hmm. and i think that's been nice and kind of just like oh yeah maybe you know all of our cortisol levels just just drop a little bit (laughs) you know when he's on the court and when he's not on the court i think you know we also uh, as we just found out we feel that too as far as like oh you know the stability i think the calm that he brings, um, I am realizing is just something that not many, there isn't another presence on the team that I think provides that. So let, let's go through the timeline. Um, I think it was either that season or the year following was game 82, you know, against the Timberwolves. Uh, Jokic plays great, uh, you know, misses the shot at the end and Jimmy Butler takes the Wolves to the playoffs. But that, was the game that kind of set the tone, right? There's the infamous story of Jokic apologizing to Malone on the plane, and it kind of fueled the team. And then uh, he has an all-star season. They get the two seed, um, have the solid playoff run. You know, I thought he played well against the Spurs, but obviously Murray had that breakout game where he was, like, unconscious in game two in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Murray had another big game four. They pull out ugly game seven, and then – the Blazers series was like anybody could have taken it, but you know, it was good. Uh, it was good for the team learning, learning experience. And then the next year is when Jokic kind of establishes himself as like, you know, this is the guy, this is the all-star COVID happens. We go into the bubble and Jokic played well, but you know, that was when Jamal just completely goes to a whole nother level that I think quite frankly, Nuggets fans were like kind of on the fence of like, I don't know if this guy's ever going to be, be it. 
And then mm-hmm. the bubble is like when he really showed us like, oh, this is what we were trying to draft. So that was that was a magical playoff run. So I guess my question setting it up for you is going into the offseason for the following year, coming off a Western Conference Finals appearance, how did you sort of view the hierarchy of the Nuggets? Like, did you think this is clearly Jokic's team or was it like it's him or Murray still or like Murray actually might be the guy? Yeah, I always thought it was I always thought it was Jokic. I never felt like there was a 1A, 1B type of situation with those two. Um, I do feel like Jamal can be a, a championship second or third option, but that is obviously beside the point. Um, mm-hmm. But just like just from that moment, like the way that Jokic, as we've alluded to, like his calming presence and and the way that he's able to kind of just control a game from any or from any standpoint, like any type of situation that showed me he can be more of a, a one option because Jamal is a fantastic scorer and he showed what he can do in the bubble and everything. He's electric. He's a microwave. post game. Fantastic post game. But he's a scorer and he works best as a second option scorer off of Jokic. How do you feel about, sure. um, I've heard a lot of conversations with George Carl in interviews that he's done as far as uh, he often vies for the Nuggets bringing in like a true quote-unquote point guard um, and kind of, I guess, moving Jamal off ball or, you know, George, you know, he has, he's really in the trade for CP3 camp, but um, how much do you feel like it's, uh, do you feel like it would benefit Jamal to play the two more or, or do you feel like he can, is the best version of Nuggets that, or is it more that Jamal being at the point you can kind of involve other scores and you don't necessarily need, you know, is Jokic a point guard, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think I'm in that camp because I think we have been so blessed to have a center who is so offensively gifted and is a pass first center at that too. Mm -hmm. And I've been having the same conversation with other people like Jokic's gameplay allows other people to, not play their traditional position. So Jamal Murray might be a one, but like you said, he operates more as a two, but there really isn't a need to kind of change any positions or anything like that because you know, we've got a point guard center right now. So everyone's kind of just free to work yeah. within their role and work around that. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm i still unsure. I, I think I would welcome certain kinds of point guards, if that makes sense. Drew Holiday, um, I think, would be a, a type of point guard you could put next to Jamal Murray. Yeah, I was always high on like PJ Dozier as a guy who mm. kind of fit this mold as his he is a point guard where he can bring up the ball, but I think he has a lot of other kind of to your point with Drew as well, a player with a lot of utility as a defender, as uh doing more than just just setting up Jokic. I think mm. They need, you know, I think we kind of saw this with Monte Morris. Monte did a great job of being the sort of the quote unquote floor general. But at the same time, it's other teams are fitting in more, I think, in more space, if that makes sense. More offensive firepower, more defensive firepower, more rebounding. Mm-hmm. If you have a player there who all he does is he's super stable, but he's not able to do those things. So if you can find that guy, you know, if you can find Alonzo Ball, you know, it's. Oh, that would have been something if we could get someone like Lonzo. Yeah, I think so. Um, not to not to get us into to trade talk, but also Chicago. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> they're not. I don't want to say they're not long for this world or something as a team, 
but I do think they're in an awkward place as far as you've got this core. One of them is uh, DeMar. I love DeMar DeRozan. He's one of my favorite players. Um, I love Zach Levine. Usually he's usually, I think he's kind of struggling with his knees right now, but um, I think having Vooch and then having those three together being the big money guys, it's hard to see, you know, not having a lot of future draft capital. It's hard to see a, a future for them where they take that next step from really good team to contender. I wonder if they're a team that, you know, maybe you could pry loose um, a Caruso. Uh, I don't know if you can get Lonzo Ball because he's kind of, you know, is he playing? Is he not playing? It's it's a weird situation for them. But I think they're going to have guys who are available, if that makes yeah. sense. I feel like Lonzo's been talked about for years as like a perfect fit, which right. he probably would be. Um, but if I mean, he's on the court. Yeah, I just think the two guys we just talked about, like Lonzo and Drew Holiday, yeah, they'd be great, but they'd also be great on every other team. Like those are really good also players. True. For so sure. I, I just think, Ray, to go back to your original question, like if I'm Jamal Murray's agent, maybe I want a point guard because that's going to maximize Jamal Murray's numbers. But mm-hmm. I think Jamal Murray himself has – been pretty vocal about i'm a point guard you know i want to be a point guard and i do think that the current team makes sense with having a traditional two like kcp then three four five with Jokic, mostly just for the the size defense and and rebounding because you know we saw once they made the aaron gordon trade uh you know that really let the nuggets uh switch a lot more on defense and you know jamal murray has put in a lot of work in the weight room to where there's not a whole lot of players that can really like switch on him and just bully him. So no, I, I guess like, I, I'm not trying to say George Carr is completely wrong. I just respectfully disagree. No, you like, can say it. You can say it. <laughs> I mean, you want you want to, I'm not saying Chris Paul would have cool. made the nuggets worse. That's not what I'm saying. I just, George, I, if you want to come yell at Peter, that's also cool. <laughs> I just, I just think I, I, I have to say this point that I've said many times again, I, mm-hmm. I think that small ball working is a myth. I think it can work in certain playoff matchups, but the Suns have flamed out in the playoffs the last two years with small ball. And the Warriors, it's a myth that they're small. I've been over this. And they're long. Right. They have I, a lot Steph, of Curry's six, Steph Curry's 6'3". He's not small. Clay's 6'7", as their two guard. So it's like, I don't know. It gets called small ball because Draymond plays center sometimes, but he doesn't play center the whole game. So I just think that it could be great for the regular season, but then what are you? You're Atlanta. You're Trey Young, you know, scoring 30 points, which is really good. But, you know, Trey's had one successful playoff run so far. So we'll see how his career evolves. But I don't think small ball is the future. I think Murray at the point with traditional wings with size that can guard and Jokic is is our best path forward. That's fair. I'm, I'm kind of curious, uh, Rashad, what you think of this? So I have a theory about the future of the NBA where I think we're going to see a lot more. I think unicorn is, is maybe the wrong term because I don't think it'll be as rare now. I think we see a lot of guys who are coming in the league. They're 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet, 7 foot, 5 apparently, <laughs> uh, with a certain Frenchman who's coming in next year, who are – their skill sets – are like their guards, their wings, their forwards, etc. They're perimeter-oriented players, but they are seven feet tall. Um, I'm waiting for a team that's going to put out like four seven-footers. You know, the Magic are. Pretty I was about much to there. say 
Yeah, I know. I don't want to. I don't look. I'm trying not to like show my bias for Bull Bull right now, but I mean, I think a team that is more developed maybe than than Orlando, a version of them. But I think uh, the Bucks kind of have given looks somewhat similar with more competent players. Um, So I'm curious. Maybe I guess the question is. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, where do you think the league is going to be as far as that conversation around the dynamics of size and who is who you can put out on a court and have a good basketball team? I huh. I feel like there the league can go in two different ways right now. And we're starting to see, I guess, both of those different ways. teams can approach it differently for sure. Yeah, so like if we take the Raptors for example, everyone is six foot eight. Everyone right. can play different positions. Right. Everyone's long. That's that's one path that I feel like the NBA can go down because we saw the Clippers do it last year too. Like when they went through their, I don't think it was last year, but the year before that when they did their postseason run with just Paul George, mm-hmm. they can do that. Um, and then we have the Wembys, we have the Bowl Bowls, we have the <laughs> we have Pokus. the Franzes, the Pokus, the yeah. Paolos who are six eleven point forwards. Like it's. Whichever way it goes, I think it'll be a healthy mix of both. It's going to be very exciting to watch, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I still think there's going to be a place for the the Dame, the Trey Young types. You know, the small guys yeah. that can just go off and bomb threes. I mean, Bones Highland, you know, he's a fun player, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the small guys usually get picked on in the playoffs, but not every team can win a championship. You know, the Charlotte Hornets, they're just trying to sell tickets, right? I mean, you got to sure. you gotta put fans in the seat, so. Yeah, Charlotte is good at that. I'm not going to lie. Like, they haven't put out good teams, but they know how to put out entertaining teams. Yeah. True. Yeah. And their broadcasts are really good. Oh, and oh, I yeah. like their jerseys. And I like their whole presentation in general. Oh, yeah. Like they they have an really identity. Well. Yeah, yeah. They have more of a entertainment Culture. identity than a basketball identity but uh you know that's fun it's it's nice to have uh i don't know good feel well marketed i think that is like a good it's a nice nice thing um are you so rashad as far as to kind of touch on this a little bit um would you ever want to do you know be in like uh play-by-play sort of sideline commentator role i've given that some thought and i think i would do it if the opportunity was given to me at this point because i feel like i've gotten so much better since college being on a microphone and talking to people and exactly being on a microphone being in front of a camera talking with a certain cadence making sure i'm keeping an audience stuff like that like i feel Mm -hmm. like i've gotten so much better at that i would like to take a second crack at that in some area outside of the channel anyway yeah yeah it is interesting. I do feel like um, there have, uh, I'm not sure where this is going. I There was a uh, platform last year that was big in like the Nuggets community as far as it allows players, uh, not players, I should say, people to do their own sort of play-by-play, if that makes sense. I know an app. I feel like Streamcast, I think. Discord? No, I, no, no, not Streamcast. It's no, not sorry. Discord. No, 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 no. No, no. I, I'm, I'm, the name is slipping for me, too. But it, um, 
like the DNVR guys, I know they would do a lot of like uh, streams where they, you know, they are, the game is on. And so they're kind of doing like a companion piece. They're on sort of, uh, that's right. I on their that. own and separate and parallel alongside the, the primary broadcast. And I feel like that is really, a really interesting thing as far as, you know, it kind of integrates the rise of like streamer culture in a way of like tw- people on Twitch and YouTube and, and people performing in that way on a very personalized basis. This is like your guy or girl, your favorite people, you know, and that's yeah, your favorite team. And you get to kind of pick and choose. I'm curious if the league um leans into that it'll be because i think they will because um if you look at what monday night football is doing with the manning cast where you have like an alternate broadcast that is more like players and and jokes and you know but still insightful guests and stories and then i noticed the nba draft this year i don't know if you guys watched they had multiple options too they had like their regular broadcast which was just the standard like hey this guy was picked let's interview him and then they had the more like takey guys on the other channel i think once we get to like the nba finals i think that might become a thing too where espn decides hey we should probably have multiple options for how we want to broadcast this game because as you already see with league pass you know you can get the home or the away announcers which Mm -hmm. is like completely different experience a lot of times so often i do think that i i you know, it, it's not going to be overnight, but I do think slowly we're going to move to more options for how to watch the game. Yeah, that's fair. Rashad, do you watch the draft? I started watching it more in depth over like the last couple years, but not really. I'm not going to lie. I'm like Ilkic. I'm like at home asleep. Like, let me know what happens. <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's my Yeah, thing. but that's because you don't watch college, so it doesn't like resonate that with is, you yeah that's fair you're right i'm not attached you're, to these guys yet i'm not yeah I'm, I'm more just like it's like christmas it's like hey i don't know too much about this guy i know he you know I, i'm happy that i trust our front office for the most part um whether it's been tim or calvin i feel like they've done a, i feel like when they like a guy there's usually something there uh there aren't too many Unless it's a weird situation like the Tyler Lydon pick or something like that, where there's like a trade that goes wrong. I'm a little bit more empathetic. Okay, maybe you didn't have a plan for, you know, I'm sure Tyler Lydon wasn't your guy. But, um, well, I guess the good thing about not caring about college is like there's less chance of being hurt. Like you have way less <laughs> preconceived notions of Peyton Watson because he basically didn't play. So all of us true. were like, what oh, the I have a lot of preconceived. Pick? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I do like him. Like right. I, I watched some of his film and I'm about as high on him as I can be about anyone in that position. I don't think he's going to be like a star player, but I see him as, you know, he's got a lot of like tools and he's really useful. And he, I, I say this all the time. He gets to, he gets to his spots so easily. Um, he does have to, you know, learn to finish his, uh, you know, right. you get to that eight foot little floater, it, you're wide open, but you still have to make it. I think the Moody experience right. was like kind of a similar thing where he can get to the lane so easily. He just has to like make his shots and stuff. But right. Like his, you can uh, see that he just needs more polish, but he's got good yeah. bones, you know? No yeah. I really like his defense also. Um, I think he does a great job with like verticality as far as he doesn't do a lot of, he doesn't jump for a lot of shots. He right. holds his position and just kind mm-hmm. of stays with his arms actually vertical, which I know is simple, but underrated and undervalued, mm-hmm. I think, from a basketball perspective, as far as he gets a lot of like his post defense is, is decent and he gets a lot of blocks and it does it in a way that's healthy. 
yeah, I'm, I'm super high on him. I want to, I want to kind of flip the script here and ask you guys a question. Sure. Um, Peyton Watson, like I like him too. And I think the nuggets kind of hit it out of the park in a sense with this draft. We got Christian Brown, who I think is going to be a steady contributor. Yeah. Peyton Watson is developing at the moment with some really good upside. And Ishmael Kamigate is overseas and looking to be a really, really good tool for us next season. So going back to Peyton Watson, kind of drawing a similarity to Jared Vanderbilt in a way, do you feel like Peyton's upside is more than what Vando's was? Or can he like replace what Vando is now and, you know, create that role on the Nuggets team instead? Um, I think he's a little bit more perimeter oriented maybe than than Vando was, but I do think they both provide, they both are pieces that fit well into what I kind of see as like, there's a physicality battle. And I think if that's like individual almost, but I also feel like in the course of a game, in the course of a series, there's like a physicality war almost that is just night in and night out. Can you wear down another team? Um, and the Celtics, I think, are doing this really well right now, where they have up and down their roster, at least in their rotation. It's a bunch of guys who are just always physical, always, you know, boxing out hard, setting screens hard, getting into you defensively and making you feel them. I think he's one of those guys where you can provide that energy and that force factor. Um, it's, and, and I with Vando, I feel like he there were just too many people in front of him where. Mm-hmm. My hope is that with Peyton, with, with Ismail, that um, they can take advantage of the fact that Denver is going to be very cash-strapped over the next few years and that they're not necessarily going to be able to afford every big-name player and that they can find a way to... And this is probably more on Calvin because I think, you know, Malone wants to win and he wants to keep his job and i get that i don't think anyone can fault anyone for that so i don't think he's going to play them for no reason but i think calvin can kind of manage it in a way where he gives them good options and presents them as like hey i've got some shiny new you know defenders and rebounders and sort of other guys for you to like fill out this rotation with in the future so I would answer it in a way that just in terms of like what level of player he is and compared to Vanderbilt, I would say Peyton is a lot more boomer bust to me. Like I would say there's about a 20% chance that he'll end up being a better player than Jared Vanderbilt, but probably only like a 50% chance that he'll be as good. Um, but like Ray said, different players. Uh, the The most important thing about being in the NBA, like unless you're a LeBron level superstar is fit. And Mm -hmm. there is definitely room for Peyton Watson on this team because there's things that he can do that just other guys can't do. So if he keeps developing, I can totally see a role being there for him. Like, you know, the biggest knock on Peyton is probably his size and his shooting and his finishing. Uh, He's a streaky shooter though. Like we've seen him have games where he does hit threes Vander was never going to be a shooter. He, uh, he, I saw him take one corner three this year, and I was just like, huh? Like, is he actually adding that? But the numbers he say no. He, he is. He should. Like, it's, <laughs> I don't – I think everyone should. Like, I don't 
just just shoot the ball. If they're going to leave you open. The corner three at the very minimum. In today's NBA, you essentially have to. I mean, I'm sure you remember watching the Thunder. Ibaka added that corner three. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? Ibaka's shooting threes now? But he started getting pretty good at it. You know, and, uh, DeAndre Jordan. I just Brooke think, Lopez. I, just think Jared, I like Jared Vanderbilt. But <laughs> yeah, Brooke Vanderbilt is a better example. I like Jared Vanderbilt, but I think he's always just going to be an undersized energy big. And that's okay. He oh. could have a 10-year NBA career doing that. I just think Peyton Watson could be more than that. Like energy wings off the bench is kind of rare. Like I think he'll end up being like a starting caliber wing maybe in like the next three to four years. I hear that. Yeah, hopefully it's in Denver. Hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed we don't keep trading away these rookies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the challenge with that is that you often need to like, you got to pick in some way. And and Denver likes their guys. And Denver's always like, like their guys. And it's hard to move on and say like, oh, sorry. Um, like one thing I think about, for example, is Aaron Gordon's next contract and like, how much is that going to be for and how much you want to pay him? Especially if you have, if you have a Zignaji, if you have Peyton Watson, if you have these other guys, um, what does that look like when you have three max players? I think it's going to be an interesting, you know, dynamic. How much does he want to stay? He could probably get paid more elsewhere. He has before. So kind of uh i'm optimistic because i think calvin's been a little bit more willing to make meaningful changes than mm-hmm. than than tim was um but oh, yeah we'll see it's kind of a future question i'm pretty sure he's still got at least two more years after this one i think he did a three no ag i'm pretty sure he got a three plus one so yeah i think this is the first year of three guaranteed so yeah he's gonna be here yeah um cool so i figure let's take a break and then on the other side we'll talk about the latest nuggets basketball and in, in, in our you know i'm kidding i have i have some thoughts i will say but uh we'll see you in just a second and we are back so i'm gonna i want to talk about the future a little bit I'm going to run down the next, well, I'm going to talk about the last week of basketball. So Friday, Dallas, we lost. It wasn't a good game. No one played. So few people played that it's hard to have a lot of strong opinions about the game. Um, I was watching it in a live bar. I noticed, I would say it's the least engaged of any of the games I've seen this year, which is understandable. Uh, Wednesday, they played the Knicks. They did lose that game. It's a little bit closer uh, of an experience, 103-106. Jamal played in that one. Mike played in that one. And I think that enabled them to replicate enough of what they did, of of what they can do normally. Um, Peter, I'll, I'll ask you this. Do you feel like... Because I actually have an opinion about this. Do you feel like they lost? Do you feel like that was on the starters or the bench? Or do you not have any like thoughts about it? The game I they lost to the Knicks in particular. Because I feel like that's like the closest one this week. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely thought the starters lost the Knicks game. Because I want to say it was 96-86 Nuggets at one point. Um, and then the Nuggets just offense went extremely cold for the rest of the game. So Jamal, you know, he started the game well, and then he just kind of hit the wall in that fourth quarter. Um, 
course, then then he gets ruled out the next game for COVID, so it's right. possible he was already sick. Yeah, plus he's coming off a knee and it's altitude. Like he's not, we know he's not tip top shape yet. I think it was kind of like the first test of okay, you don't have Jokic. It it was good to see the fire in his eye. Like in the first half, he's like, I want to do this, and he right. was doing it. The Knicks were dying to give us that game, by the way. I mean, RJ Barrett was zero for nine from three. They were dead tired, but not, we we also have to mention like not having Aaron Gordon was huge in addition to Jokic because we had nobody check Julius Randle. Like the guy's just a tank, so he did whatever he wanted, even though he's not really like an All Star kind of player in my opinion but against the right matchup he can go off so the knicks you know they fibs their way that when they kept trying hard and the nuggets just went cold in the fourth it was it was a bummer because it was a game that we kind of gave away but both teams looked really bad if we're being honest yeah um so i'm trying not to take victory laps this year about anything and that's not where i am yet but if you know me (laughs) you know what might be coming there's one thing I've really liked about this game, and it's the bench lineup that they had. Um, basically, you know, Christian Brown, Zeke Naji, Vladko, Bruce, uh, Bone sometimes, and sometimes DeAndre Jordan, I feel like makes, they were pretty, I don't say good, but I found they flowed a lot more offensively. It made a lot more sense as far as finding quality looks for each other playing on a string together, rebounding together. Um, so Rashad, I'll, I'll ask you this. Do you do you have any strong opinions of the Knicks game or am I just reading into the Knicks just bench just being terrible? Um, I mean, I was just disappointed that MPJ and Jamal went eight for 28 together. They did. That, that, was, I think that was rough. That was my biggest takeaway, honestly. I, I mean, we know the the struggles this team has when they don't have their top facilitator and the way that the ball sticks and yeah, like I will the say, bench, as you said, like they're playing that ball movement, they're playing team ball. It's the it same looked type good. of stuff we're seeing with the Jazz. Yeah, they looked great. They looked really yeah. good, which gives me optimism. Not yes, that game sucks, but uh, Mike, you know, you're not having a rough day. Jamal, you're a little sick. Okay, um, but to your point, Jokic being the point guard. You know, a starting unit of Mike, Jeff, DeAndre, Contavious, Jamal, I think, yeah, the control over the game felt, you know, a little bit more rough. Um, One thing I'll say is I hope we see more of those other guys. I'm not going to say that they're, you know, I think it's a too small of a sample size to say, oh, yeah, you know, Vladko definitely better than Jeff Green off the bench (laughs) or, or something like that. But... I'm curious, you know, I want to see more. And I hope that it just wasn't one of those things where like, oh, this is just an injury thing and we're never going to see those guys again. Zeke's going to be back in his old sort of position, that sort of thing. Ray, I want to give you my take on the the front, the bench front court rotation. So, okay. I kind of feel like I've been labeled a Vlatko hater. I don't oh. hate Vlatko. <laughs> Apparently I like- you're a Vlatko hater. I like Flacco, okay? I want to make that clear. I think he has not, good basketball Not as much IQ. as I do. Clearly. No, not, no. Nobody likes Flacco <laughs> as much as you do. That's not Slovenian. Um, I just think here's the problem. DeAndre is clearly the backup center because he's the most – that fits the mold of a backup center. He's, he's a legit a center. center. He's tall. Yeah, yeah, he's huge. 
the other I like Zeke and I like Vlaco. I happen to like Zeke a little more. The truth is neither guy is a center. And unfortunately, I think if this team is trying to win a championship, the best path forward is one of those two spots needs to be a center because Malone's already playing Jeff Green again over either guy. So Vlatko has virtually no chance of playing. And Zeke only seems to play if it's like an emergency or a back-to-back. So as much as Zeke has worked on getting bigger, he's like 6'9", and he's just not that effective when he has to play the five. You know, every guy seems to play better next to Bones, which is great too, but it just kind of seems like the way this is going, unless unless Malone is confident in DeAndre Jordan, Zeke's probably going to have to get moved for a center at some point. I, I think that's coming. Is anyone confident in DeAndre Jordan? I would say no. <laughs> I feel like the answer is no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, one thing I will say is I do agree with you that having a center provides a level of structure to a unit that you lack, I think, when you go like the, let's just play three power forwards and see if they can kind of finesse their way to right uh, collectivizing what a center can produce. I think we saw makes that it hard lot. to rebound, right? When Jeff Green's one of those guys and he rebounds Jeez. like a point guard. Well, and, and yeah. I also think on the other side, when you have screen, when you try to run pick and rolls, you end up doing what I think the Nuggets did a lot last year, which is like, oh, you pick and popped to a guy, and then you ran another one and you pick and pop to a guy. They're not getting into the paint the way that they should be, um, because the big doesn't necessarily have the gravity that I think you know, along with the spacing that would make for like a functional offense where if you, uh, so Jeff Green, I think is a good roller in a way he dunks pretty hard when he does, <laughs> you know, it, I think it's one of the things that he loves the most. He, he takes the most joy out of doing in life. Uh, Cause he really gets up, you know, rebounds. It's always like the straightest dunk possible too. It's oh, just yes. very fundamental he, arm he's straight. All in that full extension. Uh, I, I I really appreciate that. I just you know it'd be nice if he got. He up should do high. a how to how to dunk video. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe he's he has something figured up. out because because he's yeah he's still he's still killing it in that context. But I think playing alongside DeAndre Jordan, it's hard for him to be in the lane, be in the paint, even if he's for example in the short corner. DeAndre isn't that mobile, you know. Yeah. He's not he's not getting up he, if he. Um, if you, he's like the definition of old guy lost a step. Yeah. Yeah. He's like all the bigs who are on the heatles. You know what I mean? All those like those like the Joel Anthony's. Yes. Yes. He's that in that position, I think. At, yes. Uh, Bolster eventually was like, you know what? I think we're just better without a center. Yeah. I think that <laughs> Chris, was, I, ironically, the five. You go. that was kind of one of the things that kind of drove the center position. I think it run right. down. Um, but okay. So here's what I would like. And this is not going to happen because it's what I would like. And that never happens. <laughs> oh, boy. Can I, can you play DeAndre next to Zeke and Vlaco? And, and That's what I would like to see. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that would provide – because I think Maybe. I like Vlaco because he's kind of a secondary playmaker. I like Zeke because he kind of has the mobility to defend threes without necessarily being a three. And they can kind of play that you-pick-your-matchup sort of a deal. And you still have – DeAndre. <laughs> uh, I don't want to sound that disappointed, but he well, he is a center. I feel like as much as he's had some embarrassing moments, he's been okay sometimes. Um, in this Knicks game, he was a plus 10, you know? 
There so that's go. that's something. He can. I missed Dunk really hurt though. <laughs> they all they all hurt. Any kind of miss, missed missing layups, missing dunks, that sort of thing. Uh, I think is one of the things that doesn't really appear in the stats in the ways that it might. But I think they oftentimes function like turnovers, where you offensively you expect you're going to get this point. They're going to take the ball out from under the basket. You're going to get this moment to reset. All of a sudden, you're missing the dunk, and especially if you're missing a dunk, the ball flies away. It's almost like a long rebound. It, it creates a lot of opportunities for opposing teams. And in that way, if you're out there and you're in high school, make your layups. Like, work on that. And I know everyone wants to be like, oh, Steph Curry, you know, deep threes, that sort of thing. Making your layups is the most fundamental part of basketball. Please make your layups. <laughs> right. Um, I just, I just want to go on record as like yeah. – it's not that I'm a DeAndre Jordan guy. Mm-hmm. I just think that... No, I think he should play. In a playoff series, it's best of seven. I truly believe that he can be not terrible four out of seven times. That's all you need out of him. Like, For like don't get me wrong. five minutes. Right, right. don't get me wrong. I get ner- just as nervous with those minutes as anybody else. I'm like, please just get through these, like, tread water. But mm-hmm. oftentimes, yeah, it's immediate huge run by the other team. That's going to happen. Like, there's going to be one or two playoff games where that happens. But if you can just play okay four out of seven times, I think the rest of the guys are good enough to to get the job done. I think so, too. I oh, I don't want to, like, sound like the worst person. Uh-oh. I don't want him to play at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand. I don't even want, like, the five minutes. I don't want anything. I like him as like a third center. Yeah, right. play behind. I don't right. know. If what we are have, our options? You know, I always, I was not much for like, oh yeah, we should have three centers, and everyone's like, three centers? That's ridiculous. But I think nights like this or weeks like this, I think it's uh, it would be nice. And then you have a guy who you can play. You know, not every night. Um, you can play. You can. You don't have to. I haven't to. even. I know it's early, too early for this. It's it's for November, season. but well, not even trades though. Like if if we decide we can't make a big trade, if 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 it gets to the buyout market, like a team that's in the tank just wants to buy out one of their backup centers, who even on the roster are we just cutting? Would it just cut? Would we cut Ish Smith? Do you want? Do you want? An, I have an idea. Devon Reed. Actually, it's, he's yeah. involved in my idea. So it's a trade. This is not for right now. This is it's it's November. Okay, December fifteenth. You're gonna throw us a trade before Thanksgiving. I love. (laughs) I'm gonna throw a trade before Thanksgiving. Okay, it's not that it's not that big. Um, So Andre Drummond makes he's on a six million dollar deal. It's three point two million dollars a year for two years. He has a player option next year. Can you go get Goran Dragic and Andre Drummond for like Zeke and Davon Reed? You know, if you're Chicago, do you want to sell off these guys? They're older guys. You're trying to, uh, maybe you're not necessarily trying to be uh, a contender this year. And they might have to sweeten it with something. I don't know. But the salaries work. You can't execute it until the 15th. Like we said, it's too early for this. It's a whole conversation that we're going to have to have later. But it is something I'm looking at. Like Chicago, they're not, I don't know. They're a team that might be little i love that deal i don't think that's nearly enough Uh, we're totally overrating zeke like what he's proven so far yeah (laughs) yeah a little bit the the money works i mean you're probably gonna have to (laughs) that's you probably you won't have to throw in a first round or something 
you might know that's to. that's too steep and that yeah and it's then we're reaching that territory something. where do we find the balance it's like somewhere between a first and uh, nothing i think you're gonna have to <laughs> use to sweeten that deal maybe yeah but the money works and i think that's one of the few things that you know denver has a lot of space for on the roster and then you I'm get sure a center you I'm get sure they're looking at stuff yeah 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 i would hope so so hopefully anyway um i'm a little so anyway blocko i hope he plays the other guys i hope they play uh just try different things it's it's they're really good they'll have plenty of games where they're blowing teams out where they're they've won you know eight of the last ten stuff like that i'm pretty confident about that especially so to kind of get back to these games sunday versus chicago at chicago uh coming off of that loss to you know i don't even want to talk about the game that was that was rough but coming off of a bad loss versus the celtics uh i hate the celtics i hate all boston sports to be honest they're not humble <laughs> they don't know suffering and uh i'll tie on that hill but bouncing back in that way makes me believe that even if they're not at the level that they need to be to win championships that they're going to win a lot of games I guess is the the last takeaway that I'll have from like this this week of basketball. When when the guys get back, when no one is ill in the same way, you know, we should be fine. So okay. in that way, these games are not too stressful for me. I don't know about and, you guys. I, yeah, I, I mean, worry. two two quick points. I think sure. One, the best thing is that it's happening in November, right? Yes. Worst case scenario, I mean. I'm sure you guys have heard the stories like that the Suns got COVID in that second round against the Mavericks. Right. If that, I mean, that honestly does explain it. Like nobody should be losing a game seven by 40 points. It does, but yeah. it doesn't make it okay. That's <laughs> no, I'm not part. saying they showed no, up. I'm not I'm saying, not saying like, it's yeah, still, I'm just saying it's, it sucks. It's explainable. It does. You know? it, so and I'm at the same time. It just caused them a lot of like, consternation like they're right. almost and, and if it's gonna happen way. I'd, I'd rather it happen in november the other thing is yeah it sucks to lose to the knicks but at least the next two games are on the road it, it never hurts as much to lose road games that you might lose mm-hmm. anyway than if the nuggets had like some five game homestand now where Jokic can't play and if you go zero and five at home like that just makes the rest of the season way more difficult right 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 and, and looking ahead so they're uh they've got today in a few hours some uh they're playing Dallas at Dallas. So that should be fun. Round two. I think it's if they were going to win one of the two games versus Dallas at Dallas, I think this is the game where maybe you can count on, you know, we talk a lot about how the Nuggets play down to their competition and how they can kind of relax versus the lesser teams. Maybe Dallas looks at this and says, eh, they're not going to do a whole lot and you know you get a bones game that's that's the kind of thing that you know it's very optimistic it is very optimistic <laughs> based on the prior game it is very optimistic but i think it's more of like a 30 percent chance of victory instead of five if that's i am an optimist okay all right you i can tell you are very optimistic about this yeah, that's that's how I live my life. You know, you I don't even know what I'm bringing up. I don't even want to bring up before. last time you made a prediction. So I don't make predictions. At least what happened last wax. time? We lost. He predicted uh, us to go like four and zero oh a few weeks ago, and we went like we went, two and two. I think we went three and one. I think that was no. We lost the Lakers and the Blazers that week. Ah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, we should have gone through more. But anyway, I don't gamble, uh, I guess, while we're on this topic because I'm cursed. It's uh, not, it's not, I'm not morally opposed to gambling or anything like that. I just don't win things, you know, raffles, the lottery, betting. It's just not my thing. It's never going to be my thing. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, in fact, if I bet on something, you should probably bet on the other thing. But don't tell me about it because then you're trying to take advantage of my curse and that will uh, come back to you in such a way that it's not going to work out for you somehow. Like they'll be the first tie in the NBA regular season or something <laughs> like that. Um, so Tuesday versus Detroit, maybe you get some guys back. You know, it's, it, it's also Detroit. So not the best team. Uh, we just got done talking about how the Nuggets sometimes look at other teams that aren't, you know, the best and say, okay, you know, not worried about it too much. But I think that's a game likelihoods go up for success. I think uh, Wednesday at OKC, second night of a back-to-back, that's going to be an interesting challenge because it is a back-to-back. It's, you know, if if even Jamal and Mike are back and playing, they're going to be not just coming off of injuries, but coming off of illnesses. And uh, that's challenging uh, for sure uh, and then friday los angeles i think that's um kind of a is that a big game free i mean peter do you look at that as like do you circle it and think you know kind of like the celtics game prior do you look at that and say like this is a measuring stick given that you know the los angeles clippers were kind of slated to be one of those teams that were contenders not really i mean if the clippers were better this year i would say it was but the clippers are kind of floating beneath us right now and i know it's early they're probably only like a game or two behind us in the standings but if we're being honest they've been one of the bigger disappointments in the all the nba uh yeah like legit multiple people have picked them to win the championship and they're not looking like they're gonna even be a home court in the first round team so well neither do we no, well, in the standings, <laughs> as far as like, yeah, we just, we're nine and six, they're 10 and seven right now. If, if we have, if we have Jokic or just a healthy regular Jamal, we win the next game. And, mm-hmm. you know, this early in the season, the standings really do get wonky just with a, a couple of things here, or there. So Utah still on top. I, I still feel like the, the biggest game of the season so far has been Boston. And that kind of taught, like taught me the, the most about this team, which is like, one Boston's not a good matchup, and Boston's really good. Like we've got, we've got a ways to go if we want to get the championship level. I yeah. just don't think the Clippers are anywhere near that level right now. So it's like, yeah, I want to win the game. We should win, but it doesn't. It's not. It's not like a. I mean, it's kind of a measuring stick game, but it's not like a championship contenders game that it might have been billed at preseason because neither team is really like firing on all cylinders yet. That's fair. Okay, I'm gonna add a caveat. So Rashad, if Kawhi plays, if Kawhi and Paul George both play. <laughs> Do you feel, how much do you feel like this is a measuring stick game versus the Clippers? As like as far as like full team matchups, I'm kind of in the same boat as Peter. They just have been pretty underwhelming this year in different areas, and I feel like we match up pretty well against them in general. Um, I am more interested in how our wings are going to attack the Kawhi and Paul George assignments because I said the same thing with the Mavs too, like. I was fairly certain we were going to lose the game. Um, so no just idea. use this. Yeah. So yeah. use this as a test to see how our guys match up against an ISO talent like Luca and ISO talent like Spencer Dinwiddie, because we're going to be seeing those types of, you know, play styles as we 
move yeah. forward and deeper into the playoffs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, same deal with this. How how are Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, KCP going to do with the two superstar assignments? Basically, is what I'm going to be watching out for. Gotcha. Are you are you optimistic about it? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I I've also like I think they're a little been, small. Yeah, in terms of like Bruce Christian, like those guys for for Kawhi for Paul George, they are a little small, and and in matchups like this, you you wonder what we would be like if we had uh, more AGs on the floor, right? The more six eights, the switching defenders, and stuff like that. But I feel like our guys will do a, a decent enough job at like showing effort, because mm-hmm. like, how much are you really going to stop Kawhi and Paul George if they really want to do what they want to do? You know. Yeah, and I uh, well, that's that's true. If if they're hitting, they're hitting. But to that point, I'm a little bit more interested. Mike's played some good defense this year. And I know I don't want to like overblow it, but I feel like he's had some good defensive games, and I think moments um, where maybe he can. I don't want to say I expect him to lock up Kawhi Leonard. Right, that's not fair. But can he impress me? He might. It's an opportunity. I think is how I would I would phrase it. I I hear that. I I think I've been like people have been saying they see this this slight improvement in MPJ this year. And while I do agree, I think it's just it's simply an effort thing, right? So like the IQ still isn't there. The, no. the pre switches aren't there. The help side defense. He's still trying, isn't there. and he's an athlete, which I think helps. Yeah, it you does. Know? In like the the shining moments of when he's locking up Steph Curry on the perimeter all the way to right. the rim, like those are the hopes that we have for him. It's just mentally, is he going to be locked in enough defensively to do that more than one out of every like ten plays or something like that? Yeah, and especially versus teams that aren't Kawhi. You know, you're looking at Kawhi like, oh, it's like a name. It's somebody you think about. I'm sure he's going to that game, revving himself up to make a personal comparison and how he plays. So uh, as far as these games as a whole, like we mentioned earlier, I'm not going to make any predictions, but I do. And we thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, but I will say most ex- interesting game looking ahead, definitely the Clippers for me, as far as just like a, a test for the guys. Um. Before I think before we wrap, so I wanna wanna play a little game. So, Peter, I'll start with you. Uh, give me one thing about the season that you are. Give me a disappointment, and give me a pleasant surprise. Uh, well, disappointment is gonna be pretty general. It's like the overall defense and rebounding. Um. Even Jokic has had like some surprisingly low rebound games. Uh, I don't think it's like a schematic or injury issue. It's I think he's just like we said at the beginning. He's kind of coasting. You know, he's not going balls to the wall yet. So I'm not worried about the rebounding long term. I Mm -hmm. am worried about the defense long term because they've just had a lot of really bad quarters. I mean. They've had some fourth quarters where they do good and turn it on. I wish they would turn it on a little earlier. So I'm just kind of waiting, like, at what point are the Nuggets going to look at the calendar and say, all right, guys, let's kick it into gear. I know it's early for that, but I just hope that there is a switch that is there to be flipped at some point. 
And then yeah. one positive thing, um, you know, even though he's been up and down, I will personally say that I think Jamal Murray has his confidence back. Does he have his yeah. game back? Not 100%, but we've seen flashes, right? We've seen him have some some good uh, end-of-quarter moments where he hit a shot. Um, he's had that beautiful reverse dunk in OKC. Uh, he's 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 shown flashes, and he's he's showing me that he's on his way back. That's fair. Um, as far as like the the defense goes, so I'm curious what you guys think of this. I feel like they don't trust each other. Is kind of my main thought. Where a lot of times it feels like they are making decisions that are anticipating their teammates getting beat or not, or missing an assignment or something like that. And in that way, they end up kind of self-compromising, you know, whether it's like over-rotating, things like that, where they're, I think if they were like, this is my job, the rotation, that whatever that thing is, that's Jokic's job or that's Aaron's job. I'm going to trust him to do that thing. I think they might improve if they got better in that sense, but that's just me. That's just my eye test. I hear you. And I think to an extent, I do agree with you. I think more of it is like, there's no backline help, right? So if the perimeter guys get beat, that's just two points right there. So like, yeah. I feel like they have to overexert themselves on the perimeter to make sure like nothing happens on the interior because they know it's automatic once it happens. That's, that's true too. I think yoke is really bad when you put him in the position of letting guys like some guys are really good in drop. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think Nicola is, I don't think he engages with it. Well, where letting guys get downhill at him. It's when you see the worst moments of him almost just like, all right, just, just score. <laughs> just yeah. let me not pick up. A <laughs> That's what I was about to here. say, Ray. I was, I was going to say is like, I really do think that some of this, and you can like we can debate whether this is good or bad. I think it's just unconscious decision by Nicola and the coaching staff to conserve energy. Let's be like, look, we know we're a better defensive team when you're playing up at the level because mm -hmm. we've seen them do it, and that yeah. is exhausting, right? That's what the Timberwolves did last year, right? And, you know, they were kind of fried by the time they got to the playoffs. So I think they're kind of just working. They're treating it like the regular season. They're like, hey, we're going to give up one ten, maybe. Let's try to outscore them. Um, it's just a dangerous game to play because you have to trust your guys. I'm saying as a coaching staff, I know we talk about mm -hmm. the defenders not trusting each other. You got to trust your guys that they can turn it on when it counts. So usually the good teams, they'll flip the switch with about 20 games left in the season. So that's something to keep an eye on. Can I, I have a, I, I know what I would I prefer a different lazy defense. If they wanted to do that, just switch everything. You know, I almost feel like, yeah, okay, you're going to get some bad matchups, but if they if you just don't want to I almost I, I feel like it's allowed the drop coverage, I mean, has allowed a lot of like opposing teams to just get really comfortable. You know, opposing shooters, opposing guards to like, okay, I'm in the lane. He's not going to challenge me whether I pull up or I go to the rim or whatever. Balls in my court, uh, so to speak. And I find that hard to turn off. You know, once a guy gets going, it's really like, okay, then you can change the rotations. You can play better defense. You can, okay, you can call a timeout and say, you better get on him. But now he's already like in his bag. 
And, and I think that's something that it would be nice. I don't know if they just tried different stuff. And, and you're right. It's probably an effort thing where it's like, okay, drop coverage is easy and simple and familiar and comfortable. But it would be, I think it would be nice if they could not be the worst defense in the league. That would be, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just not, a, it just doesn't feel like a good habit for right. thing. Like, and the, you know, Moach is, is, is a defensive coach. The, the culture is supposed to be, we play defense here. So it just feels bad <laughs> when we're supposed to have this elevated thing and it's not good. When you've gotten the tools, the players, the changes, all those things, and it's not looking the way we're supposed to. But I'm hoping they improve. Yeah. Um, Rashad, any disappointments, any surprises this season? I know that we just kind of covered pretty big ones. Everything. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, let me see. Disappointments outside of our interior defense. I I think I would. I think to some degree it would be MPJ for me. Okay. Because I feel like like yes. Coming off a pretty major injury, he's been an injury yeah. riddled guy for a very long time. I haven't seen enough, especially like this early, where you're coming off fresh, you have a chance to really make a good impression on the season. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel like he's done enough to like solidify himself as our permanent third option. And this is this is a thought I I think I've been having for about a season now or like the season prior to last you've been thinking about it for a while yeah it's just okay what 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 does he really provide if he does like the last two games is having a bad shooting night or if he's like if he's not offensively on we're playing 4v5 a lot and i'm kind of disappointed in that at least this season like the effort has gone up the 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 actual good defense trait still isn't there yet though I think that's, that's a really fair, fair observation. Um, one thing I've noticed watching MPJ, and, and the numbers back this up, he's getting to the rim less. So I don't know how much of that is I don't trust my back fully and I'm not fully there because I know he's talked about, like, I'm still working my way back mm-hmm. and how much of it is I don't have the necessarily handle to get there. I, I think it's some of both, but but this is something I've noticed. So – I'm six feet tall. When I played basketball, I was basically like a two, three, but I remember there's plenty of times if, if somebody did a closeout on me, I couldn't get the shot off. I would pump go. And then seeing the trees down there in the paint, I'm like, I don't want to go up. I'm probably going to do a little sidestep and shoot a mid ranger. And I've noticed MPJ does that a lot. And I'm like, dude, you're six ten. Why are you not continuing to go to the basket? I have a and thought. so, I just don't know if like if he's simply more comfortable, like always trying to shoot or like it's just strange to me. So one of the things I think about is the is that Aaron. Not that Aaron Gordon isn't playing well, he's been very aggressive getting to the rim and that sort of thing. Teams are not guarding him on the perimeter. They're just kind of like, eh, yeah, you know, you can shoot that if you want to. And I think to some extent, uh, Jokic as well. He's not having his best, you know, he's not at his peak as a, as a four spacer. And I, I wonder 
if that's just right. also a factor. I'm not not saying it's. Uh, I'm sure you know the health is the factor. I'm sure just him his men, not mentality, but his decision making is. You know, those are the two big things. But I also wonder if if Aaron is uh, when you pick your poison versus the Denver Nuggets. If Aaron is the poison that you know most teams are going to be like, yeah, I'll take that one. I never thought about that. Do you think there's ever going to come a point in like two or three years where this team has to pick between AG and MPJ? Yeah, probably. Just because like the the cap implications, I think demand it in a way. Well, I don't think you have. I think to. it's too early for I'm that. Say, wouldn't we be able to re-sign him with bird rights? You probably just, can. Yeah, uh, and, and you can kind of we can get into that sort of phase of like inflating your cap sheet and that sort of thing. But I think if you do keep Aaron, you it's well, maybe it's not Aaron or Mike. Maybe it's more like it's Aaron or Bones or it's Aaron or Zeke and, uh, you know, that next. Can you who you have to pick some people? Um, well, I would get Zeke seems like it's not here. Hold on, Ray. I, right I was now. trying to, I was trying to connect <laughs> but, the dots a little bit. Are you, were you saying that teams not guarding Aaron is like clogging the paint and that's why you I think, think so. MBJ can't get to extent. the rim as much. Okay. Cause yeah, I, I do think that's part of it, but my thing is like, I don't care if you miss dude. I just want you to try, try to get to the rim, try to take yeah. some shots in the more of the six to 12 foot range. I don't want everything to be a jumper. That's fair. I hear that. I mean, I, I, yeah, and some of it's like, yeah, his health and decision making. So it's got to be like just not being confident in his body more than his skill, in my opinion. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I hope he gets there and I hope Aaron, uh, if they can work it out, I think we just whether it's um, Aaron being better about applying pressure like out of the short corner or him just shooting in a way that he just makes more of his shots and gets to the point where teams can't just not guard you. I think sometimes you just have to do that. Um, you can't just, I, don't, I hope he doesn't punt on that, in that sense where Aaron just stops shooting. Cause I think that it kind of caps how great, what this thing is supposed to be, you know, one of the greatest offenses of all time. Some of the most offensive talent you can put in one unit, what they can do. So, um, yeah. Do you have, uh, so, I can understand where you're coming from with Mike being not a disappointment, but you know, you would hope we hope we're hoping for more. Uh, do you have a any surprises? Christian Brown and it could I think, be even like non nuggets. <laughs> if you um, no, Christian Brown is good. I'm gonna keep it with the nuggets. I I, I like agree. I like some of the things that they've been doing. So Christian Brown, I think, deserves. I think he's earned so many more minutes than what he's getting now. Um, just what he brings as a transition threat, as someone who can sit down in front of a perimeter player to like to a really good degree for a rookie. Um, and overall, just like I think I've been more impressed with the bench this year than last year. Obviously, we were down a couple of tools, and this year we've started staggering MPJ with the bench a little bit more. So that's adding a little bit more firepower to them. But I think effort and just overall skill has improved with the bench this year. And I feel like they're becoming a more cohesive unit as this year is going on. It's going to light itself well. I will admit I was not high on Christian Brown. Really? I tried to tell you. 
Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> wingspan. He, he, it's not. It wasn't the wingspan thing. It was that he his shot was terrible <laughs> early on. Uh, I think he's shooting a. I think he's above like 35, 36% now, which I think he's is fine. pretty good. And well, yeah, it's not really good, but it's fine. It's good yeah, enough. He's not it's, knocked down. It's he's plenty good. And I think that he has also been able to kind of get to the rim and, and finish inside in a way that I wasn't anticipating that he would be able to. I thought he was a little bit. I thought he needed to hit the weight room a little bit, and, and to some extent, maybe he does. I like him a lot more at the two than at the small forward spot. But um, I've been pretty impressed with Christian Brown. He plays the right way, plays with composure, doesn't do dumb things. I have no complaints, basically, when he's on the court about him. You know, that block he had was, like, the most exciting play of the season so far. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, all dunk. did you hear the you audio know? of him saying, give me that, as he made yeah. contact with the ball? <laughs> yeah. I think it's the first instance of, like, we heard, you know, coming into the league with him that, oh, yeah, he talks mad shit. But I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I haven't really felt it. You know, uh, but yeah, if you can do things like that, you can, you know, arm add a little more ammunition to the to the shit talking. So, mm-hmm. Ray, I just thought of it. I actually have one more disappointment, if I'm allowed. Uh, I'm pretty disappointed with Bones inside the arc. Like his yeah, floater yeah. game is bad. He's struggling at the rim. His mid range well. jumper is bad, and he's not finishing at the rim. So, he's got to work on that. I do think. The, the bench, like the bench spacing is still not good, so I don't entirely. I don't want to say yeah. it's all him, but he could also just be better, you know. Yeah. Um, I think like Monte Morris, one of the major steps that he took he got as better a player. At finishing, yeah. Yeah, especially as an undersized guard, I think that's super important as far as keeping defenses honest and a guy who's like, he makes lots of deep threes and does cool stuff, and 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 I think if he yeah. continues to be someone who inside the arc isn't a threat. Teams are going to be like, okay, drive. I dare you. Yeah. Right. He does have a problem with just putting his head down and kind of tunnel visually visioning to the rim with two big men underneath. That too. And and so to some extent, you need that moxie mm-hmm. to yeah. like at his size compete at the NBA level, but it's also not always. Um, you know, we want Mike to get to the rim a little bit more, you know, bones. Maybe pull up for like a little 15 footer sometimes. Right. 10% okay that. foot off the gas. Yeah. I mean, we like that he's aggressive, but. Or um, try do a better job of, you know, I think it's a more of a point guardy mentality thing, keeping your dribble as you sort right. of probe through the lane, whether you have mm-hmm. to like dribble under the rim or whatever you have to do to kind of give yourself more options. Um, because I think that's kind of what he's been at his right. best. Yeah. His, his handle is good enough to where. We want him to improve his IQ. Don't take the first shot available. Maybe get a better shot if you can. Yeah. So I'm going to – I have one. Okay. Uh, we. I mean, I don't want to – we've already kind of talked about, like, my favorite players on the Nuggets as far as, you know, I like, you know, block those ink, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm curious what you guys think of, like, is Bull Bull good? Is he is he bad? On, is he good on a is he good on a bad team? <laughs> it's fine. Um, Rashad, I'm curious what you think because we've already Peter and I've already talked about this. I'm sure. How much do you think it's like he's just good on a bad team versus he might have just been better? And do you think about that as far as how the Nuggets sort of integrate and you know because not everyone makes it in Denver. 
And that's fine. No team bats a thousand on the guys that they draft and and sort of bring in. Um, You know, look at Will Barton in Portland. Mm -hmm. Like he was one of the, uh, an example of, they really just weren't giving him an opportunity and he came here and he listened to gets one. I think you kind of see this around the league. Uh, Laurie Markinen, a lot of guys. uh, And and some impetus for me asking this was, I was listening to the, um, Michael Porter was on the Road Tripping podcast and he talked about this where, something that he thinks about a lot. And he, I think he was talking about Jeremy Grant in this context, but players don't necessarily want to be boxed in to a certain, they want to feel like their team sees their potential and values that potential and, and is interested in exploring that to the fullest extent where some guys can get sort of, uh, oh, you're a role player or you do this or you do that. So that's basically, that's just what you do now. And I think he's, you know, players are wary of that. So I'm curious what you think of Denver's relationship with, you know, maybe him or other past players. I think it's interesting. I'm not saying it's like they're terrible either. Yeah, I, I think about it all the time, all the backup bigs that we've given away and haven't used, traded in as an extra piece to get something else. Um mm-hmm. I think Bull had the skill. Yeah. I just what I heard was like the work ethic and the attitude and like to it your wasn't it. to your point. Yeah, like yeah. I know it probably does suck being boxed in knowing like what you can do as a player, but also there there's sometimes you just got to step back. Like Peyton Watson for example, there was just a quote that came out that said, "Okay, I know like I'm in the G League right now. I got to earn my stuff. We're the second team in the West or like whatever he said, basically just like, Mm -hmm. I know my spot right now and I know I have to earn it. And I feel like someone like Bull Bull, as talented as he was, just didn't buy into that specific mindset. So now we see him shine on a bad team that has to play him. It smarts a little bit. Um, But I also think about guys like Zeke is the comparison I would make where like he, I do feel like is buying in. He bought into the whole thing. You know, he's always in the workouts He's always uh, lifting over the summer. He looks huge relative to where we came in the league. Obviously working very hard. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I would hope, you know, I hope he gets more, gets that opportunity. You know, I hope it, I hope it does arrive for him. Some of those Jeff Green minutes need to go to Zeke. Would be nice. Yeah. I, I think they have different skill sets where I like Jeff as uh, if you need an offensive focal piece, like the way they have this week with, you know, not having some of their star players. I think he's better in that, you know, Zeke is not, I'm not trying to post up Zeke a whole lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do think if you need just like an ancillary piece, a guy who's going to be a floor spacer, and just kind of defend and be out of the way. I like Zeke a little bit more in that mm-hmm. context. So, I do too, for sure. Right, I'll, I'll just throw my my two cents in on Bowl. I guess we don't know yet <laughs> if he can be a good player on a good team. We don't. He's the Magic aren't good. Yeah, um, but before you take your, is, your victory but... lap on the Nuggets treating I'm, him completely I'm not, wrong, it's not. That I just <laughs> I just not. want to point out that like this is just the life cycle of the NBA. Sometimes when you yeah. have a guy at the wrong part of his career, like this could just be a simple normal maturation of getting smarter, working harder, and his body developing more. Like, 
we happened to have him at the beginning of his career when he wasn't ready. And now he's on the magic. He's a little older, more developed, weighs more. He's going to be better. Like, it's not that surprising to me. My, my analogy here is like, sometimes you have a bad relationship and then you break up and then you have a better one. And then, you know, that you person saying, you broke up with, they might ha- go on to a better relationship too. And they learn something from your relationship. So I thought it we doesn't only mean football analogies here. I'm sorry. Like, I know this is Dev's <laughs> corner. I'm stealing that, but it's like, sometimes you just have to get through the bad times, learn from them. And then you have better times. That's fair. That's fair. I do actually, you know, I had an analogy earlier, uh, but, and then we can close out with this. Um, Peter, you probably don't know what I'm about to say, but uh, Rashad, you might, you remember the, you remember the Timberwolves game that knocked us out of the playoffs, like game 82. Yes. That was when Krillin died to Frieza. <laughs> yes i feel like that yes. was like so basically peter uh it's a story there's a character his best friend dies he's killed by a villain and then he kind of uses that as motivation to like get better and overcome his challenges All that's right. how i would put it great analogy I respect analogies we're, we're, we're expanding we're growing here i like it yeah so uh rashad we appreciate you having had you on it's been a lot of fun you're definitely always welcome to come back if you have any uh you know, things you want to get off your chest. Um, you can to, to go, you know, while Twitter still exists, because I, <laughs> I actually, I actually think it's not going anywhere. I don't think know? so either. Yahoo might buy it for like $5 later and it'll be back. Um, but um, you can find me on that website at Rave on Hackshaw. You can find Peter at Bucketsense88 and you can find Rashad at the dropstep underscore for now. Uh, for now, you, until that account that hasn't tweeted in three years finally. Yeah, if gets you kicked. are the drop step, you know, let us know. Um, I'll, you know, I'll bake you some bread. I bake great bread. You know, I'll, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not Will Smith. I can't slide you out that way. But uh, you know, we can work something. We'll out. talk. We'll yeah. talk. Uh, he's and, also on and, YouTube. Oh, sorry, I was going to say no, in our fine. pod, our pod at Four Corner Pod. Yes, you can find our podcast at Four Corner Pod, and you can find Rashad on YouTube at The Drop Step, where it's kind of his little personal NBA diary. So thanks for listening, as always, and uh, go Nuggets. We'll see you next week. Go Nuggets.